Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is the command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glossy beauty, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash glossy beauty to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash glossy beauty. Hi, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Sprickfeiner, senior reporter for Glossy Pop, where I cover the intersections of fashion, beauty, and pop culture. Once a month, I'll be taking over the podcast from Liz Flora to talk to celebrities, influencers, and other guests impacting the culture of the beauty industry. Today, we're welcoming Mike Einziger, lead guitarist in Incubus, and Anne-Marie Simpson Einziger, a science teacher turned rock violinist. The married couple are the unlikely duo behind a new skincare brand, Mother Science, which launched on May 9th. The brand is perhaps one of the quote-quote celebrity beauty category's most unexpected debuts. It stemmed not from a, quote, passion for skincare or an entrepreneurial itch, but a diagnosis Anne-Marie received, which led her to discover a molecule called malathion, which the duo have since proven to be effective in treating hyperpigmentation. Since that discovery, the brand has raised $6.2 million, with a large portion coming from the Female Founders Fund. And now, its first product, the Molecular Hero Serum, is the first skincare product to harness the ingredient for topical consumer use. In our conversation, the couple talks through the unlikely discovery process that led to their hero ingredient, finding the courage to present their idea to scientists, and ultimately partnering with dermatologists and beauty industry executives to bring a product to market. Here's my chat with Mike and Anne-Marie. Hi, so good to have you guys here on the Glossy Pop edition of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Today we have Mike and Anne-Marie, and we are talking about the launch of Mother Science, which by the time that you guys hear this episode will have launched, I think about two weeks ago, but right now is launching tomorrow. Is that correct, guys? Yep. Yes. Um, And the brand is launching with one product, which we're going to dive into, but if you don't know Mike and Anne-Marie, they are both musicians with very different backgrounds, and I'm going to hand it over to them to let them tell you about their backgrounds a little and also about how they met. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Because I think that one of the reasons I wanted to have you both on the podcast is it's definitely a bit of an unlikely journey into the beauty industry, which I think is makes it all the more of an exciting story. <laughs> yeah, Sure. I'll go ahead and start and I'll, um, I'll tee it up for Mike to be able to introduce himself. But I love that you said that we're unlikely founders and we have an unlikely story because I feel like at every chapter in my life, I've always pursued curiosity and it's always taken me into unlikely places. A lot of people know of me as a musician, as a violinist, but before I was a violinist, I was actually a conceptual physics and chemistry teacher at an all-boys, all-boarding school. And to make the leap from science teacher to rock violinist is actually a very 
uh, non-intuitive leap, um, but there was an opportunity for me to to solo with um, the rock band Jethro Tull. And I had a sabbatical year coming up and I took that leap. And then that was the beginning of an adventure as a touring violinist. And I feel like taking a big reinvention of yourself so early in your life, um, it just opens up your mind to the possibility of reinvention and allowing curiosity and passion to drive you. And it worked really well with what my career as a musician, playing violin and composing. Um, I did a lot of film score composition with Hans Zimmer. And um, the origin story actually happened while I was on tour and in India. But before I give away that origin story, I think it's really important to talk about um, Michael, my partner, my husband, my love. Um, He also has uh, these kind of leaps of curiosity and passion that drove him to interesting places. So take it away. Thank you, (laughs) Anne-Marie. Yeah, uh, I'm a, a self-taught musician. Um, I started uh, the band Incubus with my friends in high school when we were 15 years old. <clears throat> that somehow worked out. And, um, you know, we're still <laughs> thankfully still around and uh, and very much alive and well. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, did that for a very long time. And then back in 2008, um went to Harvard and studied the history of science that kind of like piqued my curiosity into different directions. I spent my time studying history of physics and evolutionary biology. Um, just really just stuff that I was like really interested in um, genuinely and for no other reason than just for the love of learning and um, for expanding, you know, just my experience in this world. Um, and shortly after I left Harvard in 2010 is when I met Anne-Marie and we just kind of gelled in that sense that we were both um, just really curious uh, people. And, you know, um, I think I didn't realize that my time at Harvard would really prepare me for what was going to come next, which was, um, Anne-Marie, why don't you just share the story about um, the origin of how Mother Science came to be and that dovetails I, Wait, I want to, I want to, <laughs> first of all, I, I need to hear a little bit of, of, of the love story. How oh. did you guys meet? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we met through music. Um, we had uh, colleagues in common. Uh, one of, one of those being Hans Zimmer actually. And, um, you know, we, we met and just really lined up on so much intellectually that it was kind of like, all we wanted to do was hang out with each other and and talk about the world. Two years before I met Mike, or at least a year before I met Mike in person, people were coming up to me and telling me that I would love him. Um, We had a tour manager in common. Um, He was managing Incubus, and he was also managing Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics, and I was working with Dave Stewart regularly at the time. And he would come in and he'd be like, there's a boy, you would love him. He's a musician, but he likes science the same way that you do. And I remember hearing about him so much that finally, Mike, um, he reached out to me to work on a project for the BBC. Um, And it was like a a program about outer space. So it was like right on brand. It's like, we're going to go into like some physics and and to the origin of the universe. And and I'd been hearing all these things in the background that I would love him. A little skeptical, you know, a girl has to to wonder when somebody tells you that you're going to love somebody. Um, but Mike was in town from Harvard. He only had one day back in town. And he asked to meet at the same time that he was doing dinner with his dad. So my first meeting with Mike was with his dad. Oh my God. And then like bizarrely, <laughs> like 
when I finally came back to do the um, the recording, his mom like barged in the studio uninvited. <laughs> and I met his wow. mom like the second meeting. And I remember thinking like, wow, this guy like really loves his parents. <laughs> and that to me was a bonus. <laughs> like those are all good qualities. <laughs> so what a meet the parents story though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she met the parents very early on. That's amazing. Okay. So, so, okay. So that was your undergrad. And was that like years after most people go to undergrad or it was. Technically I was a graduate student, but I had never, okay. but, I, but I had never studied undergrad before. Um, like I never went to college. So um, yeah. this was like a whole new experience for me to, to be studying in a classroom after being on the road for like 15 or 20 years, however long it was before. Yeah. I mean, I was on the road from like 1995 until 2008 when I, when I, um, when I went to college. So I'd been on the road for a while. Wow. Okay. Anne Marie, did you go, did you have a normal college experience or no? I did. I, um, I just worked really hard at the university of Virginia. I double majored in biology and in music. Um, and I took beyond the maximum amount of credits that you could take every year. I had to ask the dean for permission to take 23 plus credits every semester. But going full circle with our origin story and our meeting story, um, we kind of had these opposite parallels where I leaped from academia to music, he leaped from music to academia. Um, and that was really synergistic for the epiphany that I had while I was on tour in India. I was touring with A.R. Rahman, and it was there that I noticed that I had a patch of skin on my back that was lighter than the rest of my skin. And it seems like really benign. I talked to my dermatologist about it, um, and I found out that it was a very harmless condition. Um, it's called tinea versicolor. It's just an overgrowth of something in your commensal microbiome, and that it always resolves to normal. Um, but don't try to go out in the sun and tan it back, because if you go out in the sun, You'll burn the areas all around it, but you can't burn the area that's affected. And that to me was so interesting. Like our bodies are infinitely fascinating. The microbiome is a really interesting place. And the fact that there was something that was brightening my skin and also protecting it from damage, um, I leaned into that as a silver lining rather than looking at it as like an annoyance. To me, um, there was a counterintuitive epiphany that this condition that most people view as as a negative thing, they're trying to get rid of it. Um, I saw it as holding a secret. And that's when Mike came in really handy because I thought I was marrying a rock star, but I was really marrying a research scientist nerd. He still had his active like subscriptions to all of the medical journals from his Harvard time. And so we just started researching the condition. And as we were researching it, we started to form a hypothesis that what we were seeing on my back was actually from a metabolite uh, called malasazin. And by metabolite, we mean a molecule that's produced in your microbiome. So it's not anything that's alive. It's literally just a novel molecule called malasazin. And this molecule, we knew that we could potentially harvest as an ingredient. And the epiphany that I wanted to prove out was, could we use this for skin brightening or for skin health? And that began the journey um, of six plus years of calling the gnarliest scientists in our network. Um, while Mike and I were curious and were able to have um, some scientific literacy, we are not PhD 
um, scientists. We've never developed anything for therapeutic or cosmetic use. Um, but in our network, we had people who have developed novel molecules and brought them to the market um, in many different spaces. And our first call was to an Oxford-trained neuroscientist who had developed um, robotic surgery. His name was Jonathan Sackier. And he heard I, our idea and he was open enough to be like, okay, two musicians, how did you come up with this idea? Um, and he, he, he took that call when, um, you know, we had no business having an epiphany in a biotech space. Uh, and he was the one who connected us with our first uh, real scientist. And I was so scared. I was so nervous. <laughs> Mike, do you want to tell the story about how we kicked off our scientific team? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so we had this sort of epic first meeting with uh, Dr. Sackier and uh, a scientist named uh, Dr. Tim McDonald, who is the chair of the chemistry and pharmacology department at University of Virginia. Um, and we sort of presented all of this research that we had done, you know, our hypothesis and the, the sort of our reasoning behind uh, what we were thinking. And their reaction was shocking to us because we were fully prepared for them to say, oh, that's cute that the musicians think they've got a good idea. And yeah, it's cute that you think you understand something about the body that doesn't seem to be um, explained at this time. But their reaction was like, wow, this is really interesting. Um, we should investigate this further. And, um, you know, we kind of put uh, an additional cast of uh, scientists together, started working with uh, CROs who do, um, you know, who set up and execute studies um, to answer scientific questions. And we wanted to understand if malassezin was doing things that we thought it was doing. And uh, that, you know, that from there, it's just sort of a, to make a long story short, um, you know, we went through a very long process to characterize uh, what malassezin does in the skin um, and learned that not only does it inhibit the production of excess melanin um, by a, a very interesting mechanism, it's also a very powerful antioxidant um, for a few different mechanisms as well, um, based simply on its chemi chemical structure alone but also uh, the way that it acts in the skin. So um, we just kept learning. And at every sort of at every stage, again, we were kind of waiting for somebody to say, oh, this doesn't work, or someone else figured this out already, or here's why you're wrong, or whatever. But that kept not happening. The opposite kept happening. Um, and, and as the experts we were consulting became more and more specialized, um, they, you know, they kept sort of being astonished at like, wow, this is interesting, and how the hell did you guys figure this out? So it, it, we know that it sounds ridiculous to the outside world, um, and we're well aware of that. But, um, you know, again, we've been at this for six – actually, it's been longer. It's been like eight years all in when you <laughs> kind of include all the ideating. and But before we worked up the courage to, like, talk to real scientists about it. Um, so, it's you know, it's been a long time that we've been working on this, and we're um, – you know, we decided – that the highest and best use of the technology that we had developed, you know, which we were able to patent and um, and protect uh, all over the world, um, we we figured that the best way to to utilize the technology was to create a consumer product that the whole world could use. So that's why we created the Molecular Hero Serum. That's why we decided to build Mother Science into a brand. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's where we are. That's where we are now.
I okay. Well, let's do some backtracking. So, Anne Marie, when did you get this diagnosis? 2015. It's interesting when you look at the time from the epiphany to the release of the product. Those six years are because of the pace of science. Uh, and this is, I think, um, interesting to lean into because this is one of our main differentiators from anything else that's on the cosmetic market. Um, we're introducing a new compound that has never been before used in any kind of commercial product. And to do this, we had to test all the safety. We needed to make sure that there was, um, that it was going to have no irritation, that it was not going to react badly with the sun. Um, we did every single possible safety test that you can do as if we were developing a drug, basically. I was just going to say, though, just a, a really quick clarification. When Anne-Marie says we did all the safety tests like we were developing a drug, we don't, we've never tested it on animals. And when oh, you yeah. test things for drugs, you have to test on animals. And we did yeah. not test. We've never tested malasaisin on an animal. So just to be clear about yeah. that. Yeah, no, we we are a very clear on like how we develop a cosmetic. Um, yeah, I'll just say that we, we characterize this so thoroughly um, in ways that go beyond the way that um, ingredients are formulated for a, a traditional cosmetic products that are new in the market. Um, so the testing that we did involved um, growing three-dimensional skin cells in the melanoderm study, which is the gold standard for assay assessing pigmentation changes. We, um, we did ex vivo skin testing, which you take human skin from um, abdominoplasty, the excess skin, and you can dose and test that. Uh, we also ran gene panels on over 22,000 different genes to really characterize and understand what was happening. Um, and then we ran two different clinical trials, um, one by Dr. Pearl Grimes, who's our chief dermatologist, and she's the expert in the field of pigmentation. She's the head of the Southern California Institute of Pigmentation um, and just a, a powerful uh, researcher, lecturer, professor at UCLA, um, and the author of papers that have changed the, the derm space. She also co-authored um, two papers on malasaisin and its novel effects in the most prestigious dermatology journals, um, the JID and the JAD, the <laughs> Journal of Investigative Dermatology and the Journal of the Academy of American Dermatology. Um, and the academic rigor and the real science and the transparent science that we have behind the development of this molecule is something that really stands out. And um, finding this molecule was maybe the biggest lucky strike in our life. And we've had some lucky strikes. I went from being a, a school teacher to a rock violinist. Um, my, I met my manager because I said yes when somebody called from Ringo Starr's camp and asked me to play guitar and sing. And I don't play guitar and I don't sing. <laughs> but I said yes. <laughs> and Dave Stewart was the other guitarist in the band. And I somehow convinced him to be my manager. <laughs> and mentor. Um, and so I feel like these kind of lucky strikes, um, when you realize an opportunity and you dive in and then you find out that it was better than you could have imagined, um, that's happened to me before. And it happens again with malasaisin. Um, our instinct that this was something special was validated over a very long time with science. Um, and I thought naively, oh, now we have this molecule, we know what it does. We know that it brightens the skin. Um, we know in our clinical trials, we saw amazing things uh, beyond just skin brightening. We saw texture improving. We saw fine lines and wrinkles disappearing. 
um, it was just this global anti-aging. Um, and we had characterized why it would do that. Um, Mike mentioned earlier that it's a powerful antioxidant. It's actually 10 times more potent as an antioxidant than vitamin C when we ROS tested it. And it's also stable in formulation for up to three years. We don't know. We actually don't know how long it's stable for because we've just got formulas that we've made that are, you know, some of them are now like four years old and we keep testing them every year. Um, and the malsaicin has been stable the whole time. So we don't know how long it's. When I say up to three years, I'm able to say with confidence that we have that and we yeah. have longer uh, potentially in the pipeline. We can't make claims to how long, but everybody knows vitamin C um, is notoriously unstable. Yeah. So to show how stable we are after years is actually almost a talking point in itself. We could almost launch the brand just on its vitamin C comparison and the benefits that it gives. So does that mean um, stable before opening? No. Stable after opening. No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it does, I notice, have the little, um, you know, to listeners who might not know this, when you look at a beauty product, there's typically a little icon that looks like a, a jar. Um, it's a little hard to tell that it's a jar if you don't know that, but you'll find it and I'll say maybe 12 or 6, and that indicates how many months um, it's recommended that you use it after opening. So it does say 12. Yeah. But but you guys are saying safe to use far after that. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend that you use the whole formulation longer than that. All we're the claim that we're making now is that the molecule itself, the active molecule, Got it. is is not something that degrades. But when you Got mix it. it in with like a lot of other ingredients, um, the of best uh, formulation, the loveliest formulation, is going to be um, at at twelve years. And we haven't made um, testing. I mean, 12 months, sorry. We haven't done um, testing to see like what that product, um, might, the texture, the consistency, there might be some other changes that are less desirable after, <laughs> if you keep it for forever and start putting it on. But I mean, if there was a zombie apocalypse and all I had was three-year-old mother science product, I'd probably use it. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools, built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. Shopify's POS can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting on day one. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glossybeauty, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash glossy beauty to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash glossy beauty. Going back to, I, I want to get into the building of the brand a little, mm -hmm. but um, going back to the ingredient itself and the discovery of it, like, is, is malasaisin, and I might be, you know, I am not a scientist, I'm a journalist, um, is it a naturally occurring like, is it in our bodies? Is that sort of 
and and you guys are found that by supplementing it, it had skin brightening or by adding more back to our skin, it has, is that sort of, am I understanding That's correctly? exactly correct. Okay. So malazazin is something that um, your microbiome produces for you. And our microbiome has co-evolved with us for hundreds of millions of years. And the microbiome that we that we're pretty much all born with. Um, it's a commensal um, metabolite, basically meaning that uh, there's something that lives on your body. It's been with us for hundreds of millions of years as a species. And this molecule that it's producing has been doing good things for our skin health, for regulating um, irritation and turning down irritation, for um, helping regulate the moisture skin barrier. And um, we're basically discovering it uh, in the sense that nobody has ever characterized it for use in any kind of uh, commercial application. And we're realizing that this is a molecule that does good things for us. We need more of it as we age. And when you put it on your skin, um, you have all these anti-aging benefits. I mean, that's another thing. I've been writing about the beauty industry for 10 years, and I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that something is 5X, 7X, 12X, whatever, more potent than vitamin C, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, kakadu plum or what have you. And I'm not doubting the claims. It's just, it's more to me, the question is more like, why do you think no one had come across this, this compound before? So that's such a good question because my first thought was, this feels so obvious. I'm looking at a patch of skin that's like protected from sun and brighter than everything else. It looks like baby skin. Um, and dermatologists are trained in this condition. It's very, very common. It's one of the most common um, skin conditions that they treat and see. If you survey your friends, like half of them will have raised their hand and said, I've seen this before on my body and wondered what it was. Um, but I feel like the the epiphany was counterintuitive. Most people, when they see this condition, they don't think, that's amazing, I want that on my face. Most people think, get that off of my body. I want like everything to be um, uniform. I don't like that. I, there, there's a patch that looks different. And so I think the counterintuitive nature of it um, was what let us, uh, let us have that opportunity to discover and uh, characterize malassaisin. That's so interesting. There are also there are also negative connotations to when there are sort of like these local changes that are seen as undesirable in the skin, um, like a you know light spots, light patches. You know, people see that as a negative, and even in that sort of negative bias even went into the research literature that was written about um, the condition. All of the research literature was really sort of with an eye towards how do you get rid of this condition, but without really considering um, why is this happening? Is there some benefit to it? Is there, you know, the the sort of uh, hypothesis was that there's some sort of uh, overgrowth in the microbiome that's causing these changes. And what we really learned by digging into this and really validating this is that your skin makes things to keep everything calm. And so malsaison has a calming influence on the skin to keep everything homeostatic, meaning, you know, like not getting uh, irritated, not getting um, uh, irritated to the point where you want to itch it and things like that. So your skin has the ability to produce things that are good for it, 
Um, and there are other metabolites of the microbiome that have been shown to be helpful for cosmetic uses, uh, compounds like hyaluronic acid, even compounds like vitamin C. There are also metabolites of the microbiome. Azelaic acid is another one. So malsazin is another metabolite that just was not identified. Um, and again, your question, like, how did you guys figure this out or why you? Our chief dermatologist asked us um, when we had our first discussion with her, she she said, how the hell did you guys figure this out? But that's what everybody asked us too. Yeah. You know? So we, we fully recognize how unlikely it is um, that like a couple of musicians who sort of moonlight as scientists would come up with this idea. But, you know, sometimes it just takes... Uh, sort of those childlike kind of obvious questions and maybe even an uninformed um, uh, perspective to kind of ask the dumbest questions that sometimes have the most interesting answers. So, I mean, that, that's, we got the best, lucky. that's the best answer that I can think of anyway. We got so lucky. And as we were building out our team, um, we realized how lucky we were because I thought novel compounds come into the cosmetic industry all the time. Like you see that word new and like new molecule or new peptide complex. And that's when I found out when we were building our team, I was looking for people who had experience bringing a new molecule to market and nobody had experience because new active ingredients and malisazin is a new active ingredient. They don't come around often. They're like, they happen like once every decade, <laughs> And um, the new products that come out, um, I make an analogy that it's like they're baking the same cake. They're taking the same actives and they're mixing them together and maybe it smells different or it feels different or it's in a gel form instead of in a, a serum form. And to actually have something new that works in a different way um, to give clinical results that just doesn't happen often. And so we really had to lean on our advisors in hair care space uh, where that does happen. Um, Jui Wong from Olaplex, she's the CEO of Olaplex. Um, she yeah. really was instrumental in guiding us on how you characterize and lead in the industry space and change the ecosystem by bringing in a new active molecule and how that can give your brand um, a really unique advantage. How did you know her? We knew her before she was the CEO of Olaplex. Um, she was an advisor to us. Yeah, we, we met her when she was running Moroccan oil um, through um, one of our other key mm -hmm. team members, uh, Susan Goldsberry. Um, we got connected and she was just like, you know, she's so smart and, and you know, knows the industry really well. We really needed her expertise. And I think she just, was attracted to mm -hmm. the the novelty um, and scientific vision of what we were doing and how disruptive it could be. And then when she joined Olaplex, it was kind of like she was doing that in hair care, you know, and um, and had a lot of success at that. So she's just been a, a really um, informative mm -hmm. ear and and a mentor for us um, in you know bringing something new into into the market. Um, one thing I want to add to as well is the in the in the re, the only reason really why we would bring up vitamin C as a comparator is simply just because so many people use it. Like everybody uses vitamin C. Mm -hmm. So yeah. like people it's not because we it. think yeah. vitamin C is some amazing <laughs> technological advancement. It's not. It's actually like pretty, you know, it's pretty unstable and you know, it's uh maybe maybe it does a little something, but it's it's not um so it's just something that that you know, is kind of an obvious uh, comparator because. 
It's a, yeah, it's an, yeah. it's an ingredient and in a lot of cakes. Brightening mm-hmm. and antioxidant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have, I have a lot of questions. Okay. So first of all, again, before we get into the brand, just quickly, um, tell me a little bit about the full formulation outside of the malafasin mm-hmm. and how you got, got there. So our full formulation, um, we used formulator Susan Goldsberry. She's legendary. Um, but the formulation is clean. It's uh, Leaping Bunny certified. Um, our main lift, our main active is the malasaisin. Um, the formulation is a serum, which is, um, there's no scent to it. Um, and we wanted to make sure that it was sustainable. Uh, by synthesizing our main active and not having to like, for example, grow a whole plant and extract something from a natural source or grow like a whole organism and ferment it and then extract what we need. By just making exactly what we need, we're able to have um, much more sustainability. There's not a lot of byproduct waste. um, And it's just something that we believe in future-proofing the brand is that we always need to lean into stability and um, the, the synthesis is, I feel like, the cutting edge modern way of ensuring sustainability. Direct to consumer price point, what are the facts we should know there? So our launch is direct to consumer and our price point is $89, which we priced at what we think is an amazing value for the science. Um, We wanted it to compete with other serums that were in um, kind of the mastige beauty space, but we didn't want to price it out so aspirationally that it wouldn't be um, affordable to a larger audience. And at $89, we really recognize the value for the science that we've put in behind this. And you guys have talked a lot about your team. How big is this team? And how did you guys, you know, did you fundraise to build this team? How did that, how did that all work? This happened in phases. Um, Originally, um, you know, um, we were really just doing R&D for several years before we even decided to launch a brand. Launching a brand was kind of a recent decision. We actually didn't really know uh, where we were heading. The science kind of like guided us. Um, But yeah, originally we funded um, sort of the first round of studies that we did. And then when we started getting really compelling data, um, we we raised money from angel investors and also from um, uh, institutional venture capital groups that are mainly like generalists or invest in biotech. Um, Those were our earliest investors. And then more recently, when we decided to launch a brand, um, we brought on more consumer-facing investors. Any investors who have also invested in other beauty brands? Yes. Female Founders Fund was our lead investor for the brand lift. um, And they've they've invested in other beauty brands. Incredible. Yeah. So... How how long ago was it that you did decide to create a consumer-facing skincare product? About two years ago. Okay. And so, you know, you've got this silver bottle. Obviously, our, our listeners will be able to see imagery on the site. Um, tell me about sort of the process of going from this science scientific discovery to, you know, figuring out what's the brand going to what's the brand going to look like um, and, mm-hmm. and feel like? 
Well, it's so interesting because we're nerds and we're so excited to like publish papers and live in academia, but that was never the highest purpose of this discovery. We knew that it would have the highest purpose would be when people could use it and see benefits. Um, before I talk about uh, how we uh, formed this brand, I do feel like we should talk about um, the benefits that people will see when they use this, because that's the higher purpose yeah. of everything that we've built in this brand. And I would say that like, that's probably our number one purpose um, of why we created Mother Science is people need results. Um, they want to see results. And we deliver results in two weeks with smoother um, skin and better skin texture. In four weeks, you're going to start seeing uh, dark spots receding um, and lines and wrinkles are gonna start gradually fading with the most dramatic results happening after eight weeks. So that is relatively fast. Yeah, is this based on once a day use, twice a day use? This was based on twice a day use, morning and evening. And um, the beautiful thing about malasaisin is that it's so calming to the skin that it plays well with every active that you use. Um, we recommend wearing sunscreen with it just because that's a good thing to do. But if you forget to wear your sunscreen, there's no adverse effects of being in the sun. There's no like rebound pigmentation or toxicity or anything bad that happens. Um, but we just, we love how simple it is to integrate as a, an extra boost in your beauty regime or as something that can be really minimalist and replace um, other things that you're using um, for anti-aging. And these results are based on clinical studies, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one clinical study run by Dr. Pearl Grimes and then another an independently run clinical study because Dr. Uh, Pearl Grimes is our chief dermatologist and we wanted to remove bias in our results. Um, expert grading was also done by other dermatologists to not include Pearl. Amazing. And also, I, I think it's just going back to your investment for a minute. I mean, I believe you have Tony Coe who founded NYX, some other heavy hitters and I'd love to hear a little yep. bit about how that all came about. So Tony um, is obviously somebody who's like, you know, very influential in, in, the, in you know, the world of beauty. Um, we met her sort of randomly, actually. This is a kind of a crazy story and sort of a rabbit hole. That we can't go we down the rabbit down. hole. So like, let's figure out the most concise way to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, Anne-Marie and I have been involved in an in investigation to find a missing person for the last six years. Wow. Um, and it's a, a young Korean-American a girl named Elaine Park. And Tony was somebody who was supporting that investigation. She had donated some money to um, uh, a GoFundMe that was set up back in 2017. And so that's how we became aware of each other was through that. Um and then years later, we ended up sort of just having this random kind of connection and conversation about what we were doing. And she became really interested. Um, and we've gotten to know her quite well over the last uh, couple of years. And um, she's, you know, played a, an interesting, you know, sort of supporting role in helping to guide us. And um, and she's just a, a, you know, a great mentor to Anne-Marie and I. And uh, we have a lot of respect for her. Yeah. And actually, um, back to the heart of the question of how did we go from finding out that we had this powerhouse on our hands to creating the brand Mother Science. We named Mother and Science very intentionally. Um, everybody knows Mother Nature, and she's this entity that's ancient and a force for good, and um, we achieve harmony when we're in harmony with her. 
But I feel like Mother Science is an entity that doesn't get that same love, um, mainly because I just created her. <laughs> but I think Mother Science is a true entity related to Mother Nature. Um, but science is a source of ancient wisdom. Um, it's ancient wisdom paired with cutting edge technology, being able to synthesize something that's hundreds of millions of years old, that's been doing good things for our skin as an unsung hero, I think is just gorgeous science. Um, and the other reason that I wanted to call it mother science is if you Google mothers and fathers of science, mm -hmm. there's this enormous gender disparity yeah. where it's all fathers of science and then like Marie Curie and then father, 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 father. And, and, uh, that the world is changing. We have three daughters and putting out the term mother science and showing that women are at the forefront of discovery and that, um, that there's still so much left to be discovered in this world. We're all citizen scientists, um, was important to me. And our team really is, um, very much alive because of women scientists. Our chief formulations officer, Susan Goldsberry, is an award-winning chemist. Uh, Dr. Pearl Grimes has built an, an amazing practice. Um, our CEO, Jessica Golden, has been in the industry for many years. Um, I'm Edna, our COO, um, is an incredible mind who has been with us um, through the science discovery process almost since the very, very beginning. Um, and so we are a, a mighty small team of women and Mike is, uh, is a supporter of women. So he gets to be <laughs> an honorary mother here, but I'm lucky, <laughs> but um, that was important to us in, in the brand ethos and, and bringing that warmth back and creating a sense of community. Mother implies that there's a family and, um, I mentioned the term citizen scientist earlier, but I do believe that so many women um, are so much smarter and they deserve better. And my friends are all citizen scientists. When they talk about beauty, they don't talk about it in the ways that maybe like my mother's generation would talk about it. They are searching for active ingredients. They're getting to the root of their problems. They're looking at biology. They're trying to understand why is my skin producing excess pigment um, and what ingredients have been clinically proven to help me here. Um, and then they're searching for those ingredients. Um, when people are struggling with lines and wrinkles, they almost always find retinols. When people want to have brighter skin, they're almost always going to land on vitamin C. And there are they're driven now in a new way. And it um, we live in an era where information is shared sometimes in ways that are not responsible, um, but there are thought leaders out there and there are really good people that are basically teaching literacy, science literacy for consumer beauty. And those are the people that we want to pair with. That's the community that we want to be a part of, um, the community where people love learning and sharing the science of beauty. And um, that's, where mother science comes in. How do you plan, and this is really one of my last questions, how do you plan to sort of execute that community as you, um, and again, like as people are listening to this, it's really the early stages of the brand. Uh, how do you plan to introduce that concept to customers, to women? Um, I think many women are maybe intimidated by science, unfortunately. Um, mm -hmm. 
what's what's the you know essentially marketing plan for the brand? I think that the marketing plan is that when you have something that's really interesting, it's like an onion with many layers and you peel that onion at certain points. Um, The first layer of the marketing plan is just showing people it works and it's new and really letting them know that, hey, this is how it works. The name is malasaisin, just educating them that there's a new molecule ingredient in the space. Um, And I think most people are going to not want to go down, you know, to the bottom of the iceberg on the science on their first exposure to the brand. They just want to say, okay, what is it going to do for me? And see the before and after pictures. Um, so we, we're going to have very strong um, imagery to show the results and we're going to lean on the results first. But we're also seeding to influencers who talk about the science of beauty, the formulation chemists. Um, and also we have a large derm community. Uh, that is behind us. Uh, Dr. Pearl Grimes has been lecturing on malasaisin all over the world for the past few years. And these uh, papers have been cited by other researchers who are in the pigmentation space. So there is a groundswell of interest in the derm community. And we do think that they are thought leaders. There are a lot of influential derms that are dispelling really good information from a place of true expertise. And we want to align ourselves with people like that. Um, So that's kind of our early plan is direct to consumer, Um, leaning on scientific thought leaders, but also making it accessible and also interesting for people to see like those before and afters um, and just quickly understand that that this is something new that can help them. Um, As we grow the brand out, um, I think that the people who really want to dig deeper into the science will have avenues for doing that. We have our papers published. Anybody can read those. Our patent is published. People can read that. Um, and there's deeper layers of technology and discussions that are meaty and interesting. And um, those will be had by the community of uh, beauty scientists. Would you say that the future products for the brand will also, um, and I, I, my guess is yes, hinge on malasaisin? Yes. yes. Absolutely. Malasaisin is such a powerhouse. And uh, we already have a vision for ways that it can be really transformative in other Um, other form factors and uh, with other applications. We do love that we have this molecule that um, is new. And so we want to introduce it and we want to really create um, a malasaisin-based line. But our potential for innovation and our pipeline for innovation does go beyond malasaisin when the time is right. We do have other molecules that we've been researching um, and, and testing. But we can only move at the pace of science. So malasaisin is the first molecule out. Um, We want all of our products to be intentional and really be um, something that is results driven. So we're not likely going to do like maybe a face wash would be a good example. Something that we could put malasaisin in it, but it would be almost like a pixie dust. Um, That would not be true to the ethos of our brand unless we're doing something transformative or new. um, We're not going to release it. Okay. Um, and really my, I mean, one last question that I feel like everyone in my field loves to ask, which is like after you've spent, you know, six, eight years working on something and you've launched your product and you're so proud and excited and we're like, okay, so what can you tell us about what's next? Um, is it too soon or or should we expect a new product in the coming months, uh, year? What, what, can, what, it, what can we hear about now? 
There will be there will be new products, um, but we definitely want all the focus to be on the the, the molecular hero serum for the for the for the foreseeable future. Um, but we are innovating, and we do have uh, other products that we're working on. Amazing! Um, congratulations on the launch at tomorrow. But again, when people hear this, it'll be a few weeks out, and the serum will be available on the brand's website. Um, and thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Liz will be back next week. <laughs>